Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Husky Fan Podcast. And uh, we did do a Spaces thing, I think like about a month ago. So we're going to talk about a few of the same things. But, uh, you know, we ha- it's been a while since we've done a pod, getting closer to the season. Well, we probably have a, a little bit of a different audience right. than these right. spaces. So, you know, this works out. It works out. I, You know, frankly, I mean, the spaces is cool. But to me, I, I'm old school, man. I'm, I'm an old school guy with the pod. Now, you know, times have changed so quickly. You know, the podcast going by the wayside is now all about the the spaces. It's not going by the wayside. I know. I'm kidding. It's only growing. The pod market has only scratched the surface, all thanks to Joey Rogan. Thanks, Joe. Or was it Adam Carolla? Was it Carolla? Well, I mean, Rogan has taken it to a stratosphere, right? But uh, actually, I listened to Carolla and Bill Maher. Um, I watched some of that. That was good. It was actually very entertaining. Uh, You know, Maher has started his own podcast to kind of go outside the political realm uh to talk other topics but anyway it was it was very entertaining i, I enjoyed it Carol is an interesting guy uh how do you mean well i mean he's just his his um his how he came up in the industry you know he was kind of a slow burn yeah. you know he wasn't you know he wasn't a guy that you know, he had success, but he wasn't like ultra successful, but he's been able to like hang in the industry for a lot of years, and especially being that he's, I guess, considered polarizing now where he kind of kept the man show aura and then you had, you know, Kimmel go kind of clean and become a you know multimillionaire late night guy. Yeah, where I mean, Carl, I don't, I, I, it, 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 it's really... Yeah, in in Corolla on Twitter and other places, like he's been on Fox News, and it's it's just sad that people have to pick a side. And I don't begrudge a lot of you know, and I'm not saying people don't believe, you know, they're faking it. Although I do think some people are faking it, but uh, you know, the conservative side is underserved. Well, I think in his defense, right, like he would go on any show. He he would. He would, you know, he would appear on any leaning, whatever political leaning show. He would share right. his opinion, but it, you know, necessarily wouldn't be received or be welcomed on some platforms. Where I feel like he's a guy who would, you know, shoot the shit with anybody, regardless of the topic or how that person, you know, felt they, you know, leaned politically or anything. Right? I mean, he'd be up for. Talking with him. I and mean, he, what, he had the Dr. Drew show too. What was that, you know, the MTV show? Love Line. I mean, love Line. Yeah, Love Line, dude. I mean, that was a huge show. Huge. I remember that. That was great. And it worked, right? Because he was like kind of that crass comedian. And then you had Dr. Drew who's like trying to give these people like some advice to like make their life better, their health better. Obvious. They did, they did a good job. It was a really good show. I hope we can attain like a fraction of their success with this yeah, pod. We'd be so but, lucky, right? What are we on year seven? Oh, bro, this is year ten. No, dude, twenty thirteen was our first season. Oh shit, ten years! Oh man, we're still waiting for. Just just hit us up on Twitter. Can you repeat that? You cut out for a couple seconds. Oh, I'm saying if anyone wants to become a sponsor, just hit us up on Twitter. Maybe, maybe China, my, uh, China Husky wants to uh, wants to sponsor us. I'll talk to him. Yeah, and then we can read. We can do reads like Bill Burr. <laughs> Have you heard some of his reads when he reads the sponsors? Um, I think I have. Yes, I, I, I love it. A Bill Burr read, maybe he can coordinate. Like the 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 week, the couple of days before Norm McDonald or days after Norm McDonald 
died, Bill Burr was doing a re- I don't know what it was, like maybe for hair loss or something like that. And he was saying, like, losing your hair sucks, but not as much as having your friend die. <laughs> you know, he just, like, adds these, like, witty comments to the reads. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, so good. he's kind of mad at that. But, uh, yeah, speaking of, uh, well, speaking of nothing, this is a football podcast, right? Husky football. Yeah, it is. Husky it athletics. Is. So, yeah, I just, you know, I think the last pod we did, we were doing a little bit. We were talking about the defense. Uh, so I, I would like to discuss a little more of that, a little more of recruiting. I mean, recruiting is picking up positively. It looks like we could have a, at worst, an adequate class for our expectations. Well, I mean, I think. Well, I, yeah, I'm saying at worst adequate, meaning realistically, it looks like it's going to be better than that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's my boy. Tybo Rogers. Yeah, well, we, you know, not to base it on how many blue chip recruits you have, but I think we have four right now, and odds are one of the other guys is going to get bumped up. I mean, Landon Hatchett is really underrated if you look at his offers. Uh, Tybo is a guy who's really underrated. So odds are pretty good that we could get just, we could get one guy bumped up. That's five. And then there's two guys that, have crystal balled to us uh or a lot of people have or not a lot of people but some people have crystal balled them to us you know outside of Dogman, because we know that you know the national guys have it's more significant when that happens but we could you know we could have seven i mean our class is probably pretty close to full but there's a pretty good chance we could have seven or eight blue chip recruits and I mean that's really good compared to like a couple months ago. It was looking like, geez, recruiting's in the toilet. Like, what's happening? I mean, that's a pretty solid. That's pretty solid for this class. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, considering we've our in-state recruiting has not gone well. I mean, I know that college football is changing. I mean, you're seeing a lot of schools struggle in-state, but. If we could, if if DeBoer can solidify that, like let's say we don't know how long he's going to be here for either way. Let's just presume he'll be here for at least five or six years. If he can solidify in-state recruiting in the next two years, and you put that on top of we're actually recruiting better nationally than we ever have, that's a powerful. Con- that's a that gives you huge recruiting upside. Yeah, for sure. There's there's no question. Um, we've always talked about, you know, put a fence around the state. So Don James did, you know, I mean, how many times have we said that, but you know, there's always been good talent in this state and, you know, in the expectation, you know, needs to return that, you know, if you're the best, right. You want to be a Husky. And we talked about a lot of these kids growing up in the dark ages, right. Um, but some, some of these kids now though, they got to see some success six years ago, right? With the Peterson era. Yeah. I mean, they, they they have not, these kids have not grown up in the dark ages. I mean, if you're looking 2013 to 2020, I mean, a lot of those years we were in the top 25, um, you know, two conference championships, a a lot of guys drafted. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that you know, Peterson quitting the pandemic and Jimmy Lake just being absolutely a total dumpster fire. We mm-hmm. just, we just destroyed. We, you know, we destroyed everything that we had built up. Uh, but you know, okay. But uh, you know, aside from that ne- next, next year's recruiting class, we'll see if DeBoer can really like level up in state, you know, yeah. make, make a huge improvement. Like that, that'll be the thing to watch next year you know i will just quickly to touch on my boy tybo rogers you know gaskin was a three-star guy right three scars three-star recruit tybo's probably he's above a three-star if you if you watch his film um i think it's safe to say he he would definitely be above a three-star player in my mind when watching him play but obviously the experts know much better than I do. And like your boy Landon Hatchett, who I think was on our spaces a month ago. Another shout out uh, to him. 
Yeah, of course. You know, he he's probably above a three-star guy, right? Um, so, like you said, some of these guys bump up, but I think, you know, regardless of the stars, I think they have some really solid talent that, you know, probably uh, are are not – they don't have the correct stars next to their name. They, they probably qualify to be a bit highly higher-rated recruits. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's obviously stars do matter, but it's not all about just getting all the highly rated guys. You do want to get some highly rated guys, but you, you do want to find the guys who are not rated as high, who do have huge potential. And it looks like in this class, like a good chunk of the three-star guys, I mean, Tybo's an obvious one, Hatchet, I think there's a couple others, are, uh, you know, they definitely have upside like major upside yeah, absolutely i mean i don't know much about kind the quarterback but maybe he's kind of like that three-star recruit who quarterback that you never hear of and then you know a, a year or two later in college football like who's this quarterback damn he looks good maybe he's that kind of guy i don't know i don't know much about him but i think but he's a three-star athlete or excuse me a three-sport athlete um pretty good basketball player um so Maybe maybe he turns out to be a much better QB than they have him rated as well. Yeah, and that's a good transition because I want to talk about the offense and um, just the potential of the team this year. And we know that Kalen DeBoer is a proven offensive guru. Proven. This guy, this guy can really coach offense. Like Exhibit One, Jake Hayner. Like, yeah. how in the hell? <clears throat> excuse me. How in the hell? This guy we saw 2018 against Cal. Right. Yeah. You would say three years later, this guy is going to beat UCLA on the road and it'll be a cunt tear away from beating Oregon on the road in the same right. season. Yeah. I mean, how the, how the F does that happen? Well, you have a really good – well, first time around, you have not good offensive coaching and development or the wrong system, one of the three, maybe all three – and then you have a guy who really, really knows what he's doing and is a proven offensive guru. You know, not like a Sark proven offensive guru like we've heard, but a real offensive guru, uh, Kalen DeBoer is. Uh, I mean, how can we dispute that, Jimmy? Well, remember in camp, too, with with Hayner, hearing IQ was throwing, you know, multiple picks, I think, in, in fall. In, or was it spring ball, you know? When he when he ended up leaving, you know all the reports is that you know he was really struggling uh, in practice as well, and so you know we thought this guy had you know, no potential really to be successful in a college game, and then to your point, he goes to Fresno and I mean he lights I mean what did he throw for four thousand yards in a season? He was close. Uh, I mean, he was slinging the ball all over the field. Uh, you know, if he hadn't fumbled right with the Oregon yeah. game, you know, they probably yeah. win. Um, so yeah, to your, I mean, DeBoer has really shown that he knows what he's doing offensively. So why would we not expect that improvement here? And we have not. And, and we, in the pieces, right? He's got receivers, right? He, we obviously know he likes receivers. Yes, and the offensive line, I mean, there's a lot of talent there. And well, Devin, Devin Culp at tight end, he's a breakout candidate. We saw him flash last year. I mean, if if Culp, if his hands are, if he improves that, or if he's better at catching, for lack of a better description, than what we've seen in past seasons, if he's if he's if he doesn't have the drop issues, yeah. Uh, he's close to an all-conference guy because he's he has size. He's really athletic. And, you know, another thing with all these offensive players, I mean, they've, they've been playing in a shitty offense. It's been a total fucking disaster. And it's like when one, you know, it, it's, it's not like defense where, you know, maybe you have a bad defense, but a guy is just such a good, you know, a safety is such a good, player that with his athleticism, you know, he can make tackles and cause fun. But like on offense, if if there's one problem, it just it messes up the entire thing. So the Do whole you know 
You go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, there, there's eight quarterbacks on the roster. You have Sam Heward, Jake Kern, Tyson Lang, Jesse Martineau, Dylan Morris, Phoenix, Penix, whatever you prefer, Teddy Purcell, Andrew Sermon. But I think they moved Sermon. He was doing running back in the spring, if I recall. Yeah, well, I, I think most of those guys are walk-ons. Right. Yeah. You're no, probably gonna you're gonna see that thin out pretty soon. Right. Yeah. Of course. But what what if Dylan Morris emerged as the top quarterback? What what would you say to that, Jess? I would say Penix is probably hurt. Then I just don't. I see. There's no way to me that Penix is not going to be the starter going into the season. Pencil him in now. Is what you're yes, saying? Yes. Pencil him in. Yeah. But I, well, you know, I, 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 Sam, feel about that. Sam Heward. Well, he's Sam Heward Sam. has had two two years of no development, basically. Right. He's gonna he's yeah. gonna need more time to develop. Which is fine. It, it's is totally fine. fine. Yeah. I mean, does Panics only have one year? Um, I'd have to look it up. I'll yeah. look it up I, when well, we start talking about something senior, else. But I don't know. You know things that. You know, that's different with, you know, the COVID year transfer and all that stuff if he still has a year of eligibility after this one. But either way, you know, if, if he's the guy, then let's hope it translates into a big year because, you know, we've talked about his his flashes of, uh, of good quarterback play and being electric, right? So we'll see. We'll see. And we he he's definitely has a leg up against Sam because he knows the offense. He's obviously worked with DeBoer. Um, so, you know, he's comfortable in that. And he wanted to come play with him, clearly, right? Yeah. And, and probably other I mean, options besides Washington. Penix was really good in 2019 and 2020. And he, I mean, he's had, he's had some, he had a great game against Ohio State. He had a good game against Penn State. I was looking through the stats. He had a really good game against a ranked Michigan State team. So he wasn't just, putting up numbers against bad teams. So I, if Penix is healthy, if Penix can play the entire season, I think that this team is, I mean, a lot is riding on Penix's health, I think. But if he can play the entire season, this is going to be a top 25 team. I don't think people understand how much talent is still left. They're not evaluating uh, the how the defense is still going to be. It's not going to drop off that much. You know, you're you're going to be much better at linebacker with the transfers. You know, you, you if you have ZTF at 2020 uh, levels. You know, Braylon Trice is coming on. You're going to have a real pass rush. Uh, and you're looking at the offense. You have a lot of talent there. You have a really a proven offensive coach. And at the same time, you know, Jimmy, all these guys, they could have transferred. So the, this is now the third the third staff that a lot of these guys have been on, and so that's gonna you know, the, the team bond is gonna be better. It's gonna be completely different. They're gonna be more motivated. There's a lot of talented guys who are in their third and fourth, fifth season where if they really want to have a future, they have to show it this season. So I think when you look at all these factors, there's really the elements where this could be a major surprise team to the upside. I like where your head's at. I mean, and it's nice to have some optimism as we approach August and, you know, getting close to camp. Uh, it certainly gets you more excited, right, for for some of the pieces that, that you mentioned coming together with the Boers. I mean, right, because that's what Washington's just – they've struggled so mightily offensively. And, you know, you, in this current – age of football right you cannot have an anemic you know <laughs> bumming or loser offense right that we've been watching and you know to your point yeah they've been through a number of staffs guys could have transferred guys have chosen to stay uh you know we've already gone through all the talent you know receiver wise if they're going to sling the ball they have the guys to catch them right catch the ball so yeah, I, I think there's good reason to, to look at the upside of this team, for sure. Now, we're going to find out about our boy, Huff, 
if he can't get it done this year, I am just so over it. He'll have to go if this if this line underperforms, because there is a lot of experience that got Kirkland back. They have guys that have played minutes. So if that offensive line is solid, and you know Penix, uh, you know lives up to his play in 2019, yeah, I think you have a very dangerous team offensively that we haven't seen in some time. Yeah, and, and if you if you look back, I mean, 2016 was really the last year we had a good offense. I mean, you could say 2017, but you know we put up. I mean, we score. We didn't score points against a good team. You know, 2017, Stanford on the road, ASU on the road, seven points against ASU. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't a good offense. So it's really. <laughs> 2014 was terrible. I mean, 2013. It's we've had one good offense in a decade, and even in 2016, you know they struggled against the best defenses they faced. But and yeah, I, I, I think it's. I think people could be like if you're if you're you know if you're buying if you could buy stock in the UW offense, I would because it's at a really low point. Expectations are not really going anywhere, and. I just laid out, you know, you have enough talent there, a quarterback who's a real wild card, and you have a, a coach who really can coach offense, has a proven track record of doing it at multiple different stops. Yeah, I mean, if I just, you just have this gnawing, like, could it happen? It's got, when's it going to turn around for us? When, when are we going to see that spark, right? Like, where you're just like, kind of just groaning at what you're watching. Like, I just, I want to move on from that and see some confidence, right? And, and see some ingenuity in the offense. Um, no, hopefully, you know, I doubt he's going to embrace the uh, fullback dive. <laughs> I, I'm, I venture to guess we're not going to see many fullback dives in this offense. Yeah, and I and I know that people, you know, they're they're always people will be concerned about running back, but I'm really not because I, I'm the, with you there. If the offensive line figures out what they're doing, and you have Penix throwing darts and bombs to guys, uh, they're gonna guys are gonna be ripping off long runs like we haven't seen since Gaskin. I mean, Cam, yeah, Cam Davis struggled at times. There's a little bit of fumble issues, but. He's really good at catching balls out of the backfield, and so he'll he'll fit in in terms of that really well with with DeBoer's well, offense. The four star guy out of Texas too. I mean, he's going to have a chance to play. But I, I think he retired. Oh, did he? He retired or transferred or something? Yeah. Is he still on the roster? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I think I, he. I see that. Yeah, he. Uh, I, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Hmm. I had no clue. Wow. Talk about a Husky insider. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's like a hundred guys on the roster. You can't keep up with everyone. Right. I, I, I want to see the, the news on him. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like something. Yeah. Something happened to him. What about, oh yeah. Yeah. He's gone. And, uh, Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally missed that. Well, forget it. Never mind on him. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I. I think. You know. I think we'll figure it out at running back. Um. You know, because 2014 we did have issues with the offense, but in 2014, I mean, you didn't really. You had Siler Miles, but you know, we know he really struggled. Um. You know, we didn't have any. I can't recall. We didn't have any like real receivers so i mean this is i guess what i'm pointing out is the rest of the offense if pen if penix is at his 2019 to 2020 form stays healthy uh that and, and with divorce coaching i mean the, i'm not worried about the run game yeah I, i'm not as concerned about it so yeah i just i yeah, I I just think the the potential of this team is much better than people think. Now, granted, if if Penix gets hurt, then eight wins is probably like the cap. I would say. 
So you don't season. you just don't have a you don't have a lot of confidence in Sam. No, he needs more time. I I, well, I I mean I don't know anything. I'm just I guessing, but I think I think Dylan I think Dylan Morris might still be better than Sam. I mean, Sam was what the, the top pro style quarterback in the country out of high school, and usually, typically, those guys you know play. They don't sit around. They don't sit on the bench long. I'd like to see a breakdown of all the five-star guys, maybe top-ranked guys that just sit. Like, obviously, Heaps didn't have a great yeah, career. Mo- most quarterbacks are busts. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. There, there's yeah. some that are sure. And and the other thing, I'm sorry to keep repeating it, but Sam Hewitt, he had two years of no development. He had one year with the COVID high school, not playing senior year, and then last year with John Donovan. Well, that too, right? and Jimmy yeah, Lake, which was a fucking disaster. So it's well, the guy has had he, two years of misdevelopment. Yeah, and, so and even so, was, go ahead, Chess. Go ahead. No, I just and, and if we're looking at him physically, he needs more time. So he needs more time physically, and he also needs more time based on having zero development over the last two years. Well, and then also running an offense completely different from what he ran in four years of high school. Right. And and Donovan sucked, clearly, right? He was not a good coach. So, yeah. I mean, he, sh- he should have been in – I mean, he would have been better served to play another year of high school probably. Yeah, I mean, um, to your point about getting physically ready, that would give him that time as well. Yeah, and I mean that—that's the other thing. Last year was—I mean, you have the COVID year, and then last year, which was a—you know—insert whatever negative you want to. I a lot of the guys on this team, like that, didn't transfer. I mean, I think we could. There's a chance we could see a lot of guys really pop. I'm still can't believe that Meg was gone. I can't believe I missed that story. I mean. The guy had 40 offers out of high school. He had an offer from Alabama. Really? But was that yeah. just like an offer to visit? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I said somebody had, he had, I read that he had an offer from Alabama, but he had 40 offers. I mean, I remember he was a pretty highly recruited guy. Um, built like a tank, too. Yeah. It's a, ah. Uh, well. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm just—I can't believe he left. I thought I was fired up for that guy. Yeah, me too. Well, uh, there'll I, be other guys. That it leave. could be—he might have a career-ending injury, possibly. Who knows? Yeah, it sounds like he had a long recovery. And you know, I know there's a, been some dispute around Sam Adams and his his abilities, but I mean, he was pretty highly. Rec- uh, Recruited guy out of high school too. Yeah, oh, maybe maybe he gets a crack. I know a lot of people like Jadavion Sunday. Um, Javion Sunday. Know, excuse me, Javion. He should change his name to Jadavion. Yeah, that was, that was. Yeah, it's it's getting late, man. You, you know, you cut me a break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they, they got they got guys. Uh, I'd like to see how they're gonna approach that position, right? Are they going to, is someone going to emerge and they're going to get the bulk of the carries or are they going to, you know, platoon the backs? Probably platoon. I mean, we did, we we did bring in a couple of transfers. Well, they really liked that one kid. Was he from New Mexico? Yeah. Aaron Dumas. What is it? Aaron Dumas. Dumas. Yeah. Dumas. Um, yeah, they, they definitely like that kid a lot. Um, I think they they targeted him as someone they really like. So yeah, I, I think I think it, all in all, in the end, two point. I think the run game will be okay. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, and it's I like, like. I mean, think about this, Jimmy. We had top twenty talent last year, and we lost to Montana. Yeah. I mean, does that that just tells you how f- fucked up the program was under Jimmy Lake? Yeah, just a disaster. 
disastrous, just completely lost. Just, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of hours on the topic, but it, no, it's true. That's how bad that program was run under Jimmy Lake. How clueless they were that they, they could not beat Montana. Yeah. And, and I think what they averaged over a hundred pounds more on the line. I mean, it's just, yeah. If you really just it did it, it didn't. And not only that, like I think it was four years before that game, but we had beat Montana by sixty points, <laughs> or fifty point, whatever it was. Point. What was it, sixty yeah. to seven? Or I know they. It was a big number. Yeah. Big number. Um, but. It, yeah, I mean, it just the the that, and then the fact that we have our offense has been atrocious, to use your word, <laughs> since since 2016. It's just gotten worse every year. Every year. Um, yeah. And so now, now, obviously, you know, DeBoer. I don't need to tell everybody; they already know that. Uh, but the just the camaraderie of the team, and you know, you listen to athletes when they talk about oh we had the best team when we were the closest as a team i mean it's hard to measure as a fan but like team unity and all that 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 makes a big difference like for a lot of teams that can that can make like a two or three win difference like if this if this team is really close you know when they're all together and they're like yeah we can be really good this year you know and they beat michigan state like they're gonna think they can win the league or you know get to the pac-12 championship game if they can beat michigan like they're gonna be really confident at that point well and you know that the confidence was not there with the lake staff it had to be the case right they knew that was that staff was walking off the plank it was just a matter of time i mean they they probably you know they knew it way before we did even though we sensed it but yeah yeah. kawasaki defecting than just the terrible right. recruiting, you know, not being able to hold any commitments for longer than a day or two. Yeah, just clearly it was just complete. It was a complete mess, just a complete dumpster fire. And you know that doesn't seem to be the case now. <laughs> to your point about the recruiting is really has really shot up, and you know I think where a lot of guys could have left, right? I mean. It seems like they gave the staff an opportunity and, and they stuck around. A lot of guys, you know, a lot I'm, of I'm players. St- I'm still really disappointed about Terrell Bynum because he said he was staying, you know, and then he decided yeah. to go home to USC. And we did get one Q and A. Like, do you think he regrets his decision to transfer? Um, you know, I don't know, but it is interesting because he's probably going to be seeing less. He's going to get less touches at USC. Yeah, I mean, probably. they got, you know, they got that really good guy. He's like the number one receiver in the nation potentially to transfer. Mm-hmm. They got a guy from Colorado, I think, to transfer. So it's it's not like, oh, they have two or three guys that are going to be ahead of him. Like he could be the, you know, the fourth or yeah, fifth guy, or sixth or guy. guy. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I, I, th- I thought, I think, I think Bynum has, has also always been really underrated. And I think he, he was, he was a guy who, with his last year could like, you know, really take that next le- that Peterson always talked about, like who are those guys, the senior year? Cause it's really hard to improve from junior to senior year. Like who are those guys that those, ju- you know, those seniors, like who are the guys that can really make that improvement? And I think he would, like we saw with, you know, BBK, his senior year, trying to think who are other examples of that, who had jumps from junior to senior year. Like, I think he was a guy who could make that jump. But, you know, unfortunately he transferred. So, I don't know. I Yeah, I think he might – who knows? He might – you know, if we're doing really well and our offense is thriving, yeah, he, he'll probably regret it. Well, he will – he might have the opportunity to go swimming in Riley's $17 million estate. I imagine there's a pool there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he just went down there to try to get down onto the $17 million estate hang out with coach yeah. i mean if that guy you know he should just put everyone on a helicopter 
fly them over to his estate. You know, you know the celebs, they're, they're flying in private jets to go 20 minutes in L.A. Maybe he'll just fly them on a private jet to his estate. Why not helicopters? Is everybody scared after what happened to Kobe Bryant? Yeah, well, you know, they, yeah. Just go on a clear day. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Either way. I mean, seriously, he better take his team to his $20 million compound. I mean, come on. Just put them in, uh, just put them in a bunch of limos and roll them over to the estate. Yeah, I was I was on a trip like a long time ago, like ten plus years ago, with my wife in Alaska, and it was like we were on top of mountains and shit, like it was incredible. And uh, you know, we were flying in a helicopter for part of it, and mm. someone asked like the helicopter guy, guy like, "Oh, why do you walk all funny?" And because he, he said it was because he had he had like an accident flying his helicopter. <laughs> so I mean, that was a little unnerving at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. I but, would have felt the same way. Yeah, but I'm still here. Good, uh, well, fortunately. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, I again, I I think, and even if Penix gets hurt, I mean, I still have some faith in Dylan Morris. I mean, I, you look at how he played last year. He was really erratic. He did he did have some come from behind. You know, he led us on some come from behind wins. Um, I. And the 2020 season, the 2020 season was only four games, but I mean, he wasn't that he wasn't bad during 2020. So I'm, I'm just saying like with a guy like DeBoer, even if you're down to your number two quarterback, the coaching is still probably going to make a difference, but, but with that being said, I still think Pen, you know, Penix's health is such an X factor. You get him to play 10 plus games that then this team is this team could be a real sleeper at that point and also good quarterback play we we have not had we really haven't had good quarterback play in a while and again Penix if he's healthy for the whole season he's easily going to be the best quarterback we've had you know since the 2016 Browning season we would expect it Right. I mean, that's the expectation for sure that we expect him to be really good, I think. And I'm sure he feels the same way. I'm sure he's got high yeah. expectations for himself. Yeah. He probably wants to go to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, this is opportunity. And he's got, you know, he's got good weapons around him. So, I mean, it's a good situation. But yeah, I think you're, the X factor will be whether he can finish out the season. It's a big deal. Yeah, so brother, I'm Dugan. I mean, I'm really excited. I know you. I know, man. I'm, I'm fucking I, pumped I was for that. Sensing it earlier in I'm, the day. I'm pumped for that Michigan State game too. I think that could be that could be a really, really good environment. Now we got a lot of questions about what's going on with the conference uh, and all that stuff. I mean, Jimmy, I don't know about you, but I haven't really been following. I'm the wrong person to ask. I, I think I've only been. I, yeah, I've been loosely following it. I, I think the bottom line is that we're not going to know for some time. You know, they're sorting out a lot of things. It's still going to be – it could be some decisions depending on what some other teams do. You know, these weird relationships between talking about the ACC and the Pac-12. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, it's going to unravel itself in some manner. And, you know, we're, I think we're a little ways away from that. And I frankly don't want to put a lot of energy into it right now either because it's it's all nonsense. We know where it's going to head, right? It's probably going to be a couple super conferences and, you know, obviously the playoffs. So how it unfolds, it's anyone's guess right now. And I don't really care at this juncture. I, I don't want to put a yeah, lot of personal me too. energy into the topic. Just yeah, because – Me too. We, we know things are going to change. We don't know what it's going to look like. A lot of things are up in the air. Um, but, you know, clearly Washington has to position themselves, you know, in a conference that, you know, will allow them to continue to be successful in the sense of, you know, having a fan base, having interest. You know, you don't want them to be in some shit conference with, you know, subpar teams. I mean, we would not get excited about that. That would not be a good situation. 
Yeah. That'd be a turnoff for a lot of people. Yeah, one one question is, which player are you most excited about on both offense and defense? Not necessarily best player, but who intrigues you? I mean, I think offensively it's going to be Penix for me. Just because there's so much riding on the position. And we haven't had much talent at the quarterback position. So for me, I'm most excited about him because I think the success of this team, as we've talked, is going to be reliant on the QB play. For So for me, it's Penix offensively. Yeah, and I remember thinking, like, I don't know what game it was last year, but, like, midway through the season. And not to say everything was Dylan Morris's fault, but, you know, the defense held up for the most part for most of the season. And that, like, if if you, if we just had good QB play last year, like, you're, we're probably winning seven games. Like, we're easily getting to a bowl. Even and though you're probably competitive e- against Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Even though, even though there were tons of problems with the team, it's just having good quarterback play is such a. Ma- I mean, it's so a master of the obvious here. But like, we haven't seen that where you have like close to an elite quarterback can raise the level of a team. Like, when was the last we Tui in two thousand? I mean, I think the two thousand team is underrated. People make it seem like it really wasn't that good. But it was kind of true that Tui really elevated that team. Sure. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I mean with with just a decent with just a decent good quarterback with no intangibles, maybe that team goes nine and three instead of eleven and one. Right. No. Yeah. No. Tui and so, was. And we again, we just we have not seen that in such a long time. Uh, having a quarterback who could really elevate the team, and this guy, obviously the. You know, the injury history, it's really shaky. I wouldn't bet on him lasting throughout the season. But I, this is a guy who can elevate the team. And it's and aside from him, it's a pretty good team. When, you, when you, I would say, honestly, we're probably – I mean, looking at, on pa- looking at the team on paper, Jimmy, we're probably only like a couple players here and there, there away from being like a legit conference contender. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you stick Miles Gaskin on this team, and you stick like a, you know, a, a really good safety, which Dom Hampton might be. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a, I mean, that's a easily a top twenty five team. Yeah, I no agreed. Um, defensively, you know, I Hampton very excited about, but also I, I want to see what Trice brings to the table. I mean, yes. I'm, I'm tied between those two guys for me. I, and, and that's another, I think that's another thing that people are like with the duging here. We haven't <laughs> seen like, okay. We haven't seen like a real ferocious pass rush in quite a while. I mean, obviously 2016, yeah, you know, we didn't need to rush that much, but no, if, if you have, I'm really bullish on Trice. I know you are. I mean, he 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 was good last year. I mean, he's flashed every time you watch him. If you have Trice and, and ZTF is playing at like 80% of what he was in 2020, that's really scary for Yeah. And that and as you know, Jimmy, having a pass rush covers up other weaknesses in the defense. It's it's like a it's like a quarterback who can who's elusive and can elude pressure. It's and as I said on the last pod, who has better dual pass rushers than those two? I don't. I mean, maybe Utah. I don't know the rosters well enough, but that yeah, I mean that yeah. that's that's a really that's a really good tandem right there. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm really excited for it. I think there's potential. I mean, I think there's good reason to be excited, right? I mean, ZTF, I, I think he's added weight, right? He wasn't at his playing weight last year. No, I year. think he's, he's, he's more, I think he's cut down. I think he's more. Was it, was it that he cut down? Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. I mean, he was overweight for well, when he may, came back. I mean, maybe, maybe they cut him down and he, he's going to, you know, try and add a little bit before the season. I don't know, but. 
I mean, well, I we, we, we can yeah. trust that they're getting him where he needs to be. Right. And, and he was still getting his legs under him and coming off injury. But yeah, I think to your point, I think he was, he cut weight. You're right. Um, so I think from that standpoint, uh, he, he's going to be better. He's, uh, he's going to be, he has to be right. I mean, cause and you know, we were talking about whether he even came back too soon. Um, at that time too, like we weren't sure, you know, it made sense for him to come back when he did. So I, yeah, I think he's definitely going to have an improvement. He year. should have, he should have sat out the season after the Montana debacle. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not stepping into this mess. Yeah. I would say most on defense, I would say, um, yeah, there's a lot of, I, I would probably say Trice, but I would say Tom Hampton, number two, just because, I mean, I've used the term X factor, but he's another guy w- with huge potential. He was neutered last year. You know, Washington has a history of great safeties and rovers. You know, Tony Parrish, Tommy Smith, Lawyer Malloy, yeah. Buda Baker, was- Tony Parrish, Hakeem Akbar. Got him in there twice, buddy. Well, he deserves it. He was really good, but I, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying Hampton is going to be as good as those. Gold, don't let hey, don't let don't leave out Goldson. Yeah, Deshaun Goldson was awesome. Had a great pro yeah, career he too. For the Niners for many C, years. CJ Wallace too. Right, CJ Wallace. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I don't know if Hampton can be as good as all those guys, but um. That's, I, I'm excited for his potential. Like, I really want to see, I really hope that he can, his potential can be unleashed this year. So, yeah, those would be my two. Trice would probably be, yeah, I'm most, I'm most excited and most confident that Trice is going to be a star. Yeah, I like it. I like it. On offense, it's, um, that's more, yeah, it's more difficult. I mean, obviously, Obviously, Penix, Penix, however it's pronounced. Um, yeah, maybe Devin Culp, number two. Yeah, I like that. Just I think I think at my number two is Culp and Hampton. Like those are two guys that like if if those are breakout guys, it's really going to help the team out a lot. Yeah, those are X factor guys, right? That can really elevate play at those positions. Brothers, apparently, they, they like that Quentin Moore kid too at tight end. Yeah. Speaking of elevate, brother, should we talk a little bit about Top Gun Maverick and what a fantastic movie it was? Yeah, we can touch on it and wrap this up. Wrap this puppy up. Yeah. So, I think. For me, and I'll try and remember because we talked about it in the spaces. So, uh, but this is for you know all the people that weren't there, which is probably most of our listeners. Um, for me, I just thought everything about it was wonderful. It was like a classic movie experience. The music was great. I think the acting and casting were really good. The cinematography, I'm big on that in movies. Just you know, the San Diego area, the sun, the the uh, the bar on the beach and then the uh the dog fight fighting scenes all shot on the cascades with the snow i mean that was beautiful and then the storyline like they didn't they were able to come up with a real solid storyline and just the tension was getting higher and higher until the resolution at the end you really didn't know what was going to happen mm-hmm. i just for all those reasons it was I thought fantastic. One of the best sequels ever. I mean, I know Godfather two is in there. Terminator two home alone two for me. <laughs> I know it's, I know. It's, yeah. People don't think of home alone two. I thought it was a great sequel, but uh, yeah, I just, one of the, one of the best sequels ever. I mean, I, everything about the movie was great. Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, Miles Teller was nails cast him perfectly. Probably one of the best casted, roles like ever in a movie it was like he must have watched the original so many times to kind of like get that goose vibe in his character um 
you know, for me, I really liked some of the, you know, they used exact lines from the old movie, which I like. Some people kind of complained about that, but I didn't. I, I, I like that. And then, you know, Kilmer, to his credit, the storyline was really built around his. Spo- I mean, spoiler, he, spoiler alert if people haven't seen it, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'll just say that, you know, the premise of his role in the sequel, you know, has a is part basically, you know, big part of the entire movie, the plot itself, and and Kilmer pitched that, and they really like the foundation of that film was based on you know Kilmer's idea, which was amazing, and I remember like Kilmer was like pleading to be in the movie, and uh, they did it right, like they they. Like they, there could have been a chance he'd screw that up, and they did a really good job of tying him into the film and his idea, basically the foundation of the movie. Yeah, and from the standpoint of a sequel, it's certainly way up there. And to your point about classic theater experience, like that's when you go to a movie, you get a couple hours of escapism. There, there's nothing like overarching messages of any kind. Yeah, sure, like the military stuff, whatever. I mean, you got to have that in there. That's just the way it is. But the way they were able to film and, and send me, you know, an IMAX, uh, you know, the, the footage was insane. Like the filming was insane. Um, the last 35, 40 minutes of the movie were incredible. Um, my one critique, this is my one critique. The song at the end was shit. It was terrible. What was that? The I Lady Gaga was, song? It's the Lady Gaga song. I thought it was awful. I don't think it worked at all at the end of the movie. I would say that'd be my biggest gripe about the film. Well, whenever I watch it again, I will pay attention to that. Yeah, it's just stunk. But, but I, yeah, go ahead. I was just say, yeah, John Hamm, big fan of him, solid role. I mean, they just nailed it. All the characters were solid. You know, the way they were able to weave in the F fourteen, you know, was just awesome. Yeah, I mean, another thing I'd mention is just you went the the like the whole movie you went through a series of emotions, right? I was and say that. there were just yeah scenes that like there were some sad scenes that you know would almost bring you to tears. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously a lot of scenes that would make you laugh. It, it was you know the, you, you you were able to feel a variety of emotions, and then the dogfighting scenes at the end. Like I mentioned yeah, on the, uh, I mentioned on the, uh, uh, on the, uh, spaces. spaces. Yeah. That Mrs. Chess was like, I mean, and I was feeling at the set, like I looked at her, I wasn't sure if she was going to like pee in her pants or, you know, orgasm or start crying. It was like, so those scenes were just so intense. I'm sure, you know, miss, I'm sure Mrs. Mrs. Jimmy, I don't know. Did you, did you look at her when, uh, you you guys yeah. watched the movie like <laughs> so she was uh you know totally engrossed in the film just completely dialed in you know we watched the original you know she she was definitely emotional in some parts of the movie um but yeah the the last like 35 minutes like she was completely dialed in um and totally into it and you know was yeah and there there was a a couple to the left of us and the woman was like putting her arms in the air. She was like freaking out in some parts of the movie. (laughs) Um, Just like totally engulfed, right? Engrossed into the film and the way they were able to like your point, like they hit all the emotions and just like intense action um, where it was just like totally bad. He's just like, this is badass. Like a lot of that footage is like, this is the shit. Like this is, this is amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, it was great, great movie. I saw it twice. I saw an IMAX. I saw it regular. Um, I, I've seen it twice, and I haven't. You know, unfortunately, not an IMAX. So I, I'm waiting for that, uh, that to come out. I saw on Twitter yeah, some people were saying it might be at the end of the summer. They might show it on IMAX again. Hopefully, people are going to see it. I mean. It's already over. Have, it's already gross yeah. over a billion dollars. A billion? Yeah, I, I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, he was. It was like like five hundred and fifty million. Like not. I mean, pretty 
pretty close into the whole thing. So that don't, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Do you, I mean, was there, is there a favorite part or like a most rewatchable scene for you? For me, I would probably just say like the dog fighting at the end. It was just so intense oh. that like the thing of it is when it comes out on DV, DVD, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll queue up the last 35 minutes. I'm sure often. Right. Cause I mean, it's just so badass. It's just nonstop. The way they weaved it all together was super intense. Yeah. I mean, the, the last 40 minutes of that movie were incredible. And yeah. That was just, just action packed. I will say my favorite part was during the dog fighting. I'm trying to recall um, when they noticed something was back on. When they noticed, was it Rooster was back on the uh, yeah. on the system, and then that John Hamm just said Maverick, or or well, what whatever it was when John Hamm just said Maverick. You know, they're all trying to figure out like, oh, what happened? Someone's back up on the. Oh, I think when they oh, were right. they were yeah. when, when they had the yeah, spoiler alert when they got the old planes that they just right. found and started flying, and it got back on the system, and then when they saw that in the yeah, command yeah, yeah. center and john ham was just like maverick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that was just so like poetic for me i just fucking love that part no no outstanding yeah really good yeah so i'm i'm, I'm pumped for it to come get released so i can just you know get the dvd man just like you do with heat yeah oh yeah i i would be embarrassed to say how many times i've seen heat it's, so I mean, it's a long movie. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing to be embarrassed about <laughs> regarding heat. My, my buddy who listens to our podcast, shout out to Vab. He texted me after the last one. He said, I like how excited you got when Jimmy told you heat was his favorite movie. <laughs> I was like pleasantly surprised, but act, oh, yeah. you know, you know that I have a, uh, I have a gangster movie club with my friends where we watch mob and gangster movies. And also crime movies. And Heat is our next watch. So I am super excited for that. Has everyone seen it? Are there anyone who hasn't? I think everyone... I think everyone has seen it. Okay. Well, it's all, it, it never gets old. It's always great for a revisit. You always catch something new. And uh, it's just so funny. You see something like, you know, Jeremy Piven was in it. You know, it's so random, you know. And you then, know what uh, movie I think? I will say I watched Black Hawk Down again, and Piven was a helicopter pilot in that film, which was kind of funny. Movie's not funny, ruthless movie to watch, but yeah, Piven was a pilot, helicopter pilot in that film. Yeah, you know, I was talking to someone today, and they said that The Irishman, they thought it's going to age like really, really well. And mm-hmm. I was, I was thinking because they had maybe the reason for that is because they had De Niro. Pacino and Pesci all in major roles. Like the, th- if you think about the, the, uh, the, what is it called? The Holy trio or whatever the hell it's called of, uh, you know, gangster mobster movies. I, to me, it's like those three guys. And that's, oh, I yeah, mean, is, is, is that the only movie that those three guys are in together? Well, that I guess it was the first movie where Pacino and De Niro were in the same scene. Well, actually he technically was, yeah, Heat was. Yeah, Heat was. Um, but I think, was it The Irishman Next where they were in the movie in, in the CNC? Oh, no, Pacino wasn't in The Irishman, was he? Yeah, he was. He was Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, that's right. Yeah, what I'm talking Well, no, was that the other movie where they were in together? Sorry. It's getting, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I think, I don't, yeah, uh, De Niro and Pacino, Heat was the first time they were on screen together. Right. No, I knew that. I knew that. That was a big deal. Yeah. But there's Dunk. there's many movies. Like, pre- pretty much every great mob movie has two of the three in it. Got, yeah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, I'll i be, uh, full disclosure, I did not finish The Irishman. That, yeah, that is, a, that is a tough watch. It is pretty long, I think. It's very long. It's at least three hours. At least. Um, for me, like when you watch The Godfather, I for me, I just get lost in the movie, right? Like I'm just, it's, it has this weird 
aura and vibe where it just kind of sucks you in. And because I like the pace and the dialogue of that type type of movie, but for me, it it didn't work for me with the Irishman. I didn't have the same feel like that I would have like with the casino with Casino or Goodfellas, where you kind of just get engrossed into that into that culture and that vibe of the film. I just didn't get that with with the Irishman. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again, but. It, it, it with all the I mean that because that had flashbacks too, right? Irishman, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, flashbacks are are tough, right? You like they can they can not work well or they can work perfectly. What's What's interesting is I I I don't know if I've talked to you about Once Upon a Time in America, but it's a real forgotten gangster movie, and we did watch that a couple months ago, and. You know, uh, there's one scene with Joe Pesci is in it. You know, De Niro is in most of the movie. And, you know, people should read about this movie because it's a lot of people, like professional movie people, consider it one of the greatest movies ever. But when they released it in America, like they cut down, I think it was like four hours and they cut it down to two hours and it was just total crap. And the guy who made it, and he was the guy who made a lot of Westerns, he ended up passing away, but Scorsese and the guy's daughter had it like restored to the original version and like updated with all the technology today. But mm. I mean, that's another that in that I, I forget if I already said it, but that has flashbacks and it has flash forwards. So it's like mm. it's really hard to watch and figure out like what's going on. Yeah, so it's, I, it's, it's I interesting that I... all these movies do that, but that's. You know, that that's for me, I guess that's one reason why I appreciate Godfather One the most and Goodfellas and Heat. Uh mm-hmm. and, and just because they're you know, they're not that long and everything is it's just like a straight story and it's it's just easier for someone like me to follow. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean hard to deny those films. For me, they're all amazing. Um, I, I was going to, I did mean to mention, and this is kind of a break off from these types of movies, but I have to recommend the show, the dropout on Hulu, which is about Elizabeth Holmes, that fraudster. Oh, yeah. That's, oh yeah. That's gotta be a watch too. It, it, have you seen it? I haven't, but I, I gotta put oh. that on our list. Cause that, oh, you gotta. She, she's a fucking sociopath. Oh, it's, it is so well done. And Amanda, Amanda Seyfried plays her, and she just knocks her knocks the role out of the park. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah, it, the movie, and there's a lot of elements that I did not know that they bring out in the in the show um, that were just mind blowing. That this happened, that happened. This person was involved. This person was a board member. It's like you're like, holy shit. It's fucking like, insane, the people that were board members. Oh, like, insane board. Like, the most insane, like, that board that was put together, like, you couldn't dream of a board like that. Seriously. Insane, the board that was put together for that company. And they were all bamboozled. <laughs> it's shocking. Shocking. The people that fell for her pitch, and they, and the, the crazy thing is that for like the majority of it, like nobody saw the technology, and they never delivered on anything. And people are like, okay, well, you know, it's a journey. <laughs> we're getting, we're working on it, and people are just like, okay, well, here's another hundred million. <laughs> you know, it's like it. The series is so well done. Uh, Really, I mean, just rip through it. It's, so is, is it it's, what like ten episodes or how is yeah, it? Yeah, it's eight or ten. Yeah, and each is I an hour. Yeah, yeah, but you know, if whatever package Hula have, there's it does put in ads. You know, like a minute, sometimes or a minute or a minute forty five. But either way, I mean, it's so well done. It's I highly recommend watching. What, yeah, one more thing, brother, before we sign off here. I just I want to get your opinion on one movie that my buddy and yeah. I just watched, The Let's Untouchables. 
The Untouchables. Yeah, I know the movie, but I don't know. It's been a long time. I don't know that I have. When did it come out? 87. Yeah. Um, Costner. I, 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 Sean you know, Connery. I, yeah. I just don't have a good enough recollection of the film. But I'll watch it. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty good. I mean, I would say it's like a second tier. And I don't mean that like in a negative sense. I just mean it like you have your top two, you know, Goodfellas, uh, Godfather. Right. You know, the, I, I think yeah, the, I would I would put yeah. it in the second tier. I mean, it's it's a pretty solid movie. Really, really good score. Good cinematography, too. Yeah, no, I'll get that. I'll, I'll get that on the list. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw it. It's just been so long, man. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll revisit for sure. That'll definitely be a revisit. Yeah. All right, brother. But you got anything, I, you got anything I, left? Huh? You got anything left? Because I want to get this up and go to bed. Yeah. Let's 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 shut her down. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, well, yeah. Go dogs. All right.